contemplations before chanting. The Sangha is invited to come back to our breathing so that the collective energy of mindfulness can bring us together as an organism, flowing as a river with no more separation. Let the whole Sangha breathe as one body, listen as one body, chant as one body, transcending the boundaries of a delusive self, liberating us from the superiority complex, the inferiority complex, and the equality complex.
Good morning, dear Sangha. Today is uh, the 26th of August, 2013, and we are on our second day of the retreat, the art of suffering. This morning we practice um, breathing in. I know I am breathing in. And breathing out, I know I am breathing out. What is the use of doing that? We may say that, well, I do that because I want uh, peace, I want happiness, I want uh, healing and transformation. So the practice is the means, and healing and transformation is the end. And the mean is not the end. That is a dualistic way of thinking. But in privilege, uh, we have the non-dualistic approach to healing, to practice. You breathe in in such a way that the healing takes place right away during the in-breath. You breathe in in such a way that peace can be there right in the in-breath. The in-breath is not a means anymore. It is the end. So there is no distinction between the means and the end. There is no way to happiness. Happiness is the way. You breathe in such a way that happiness should be in your in-breath. And when you do walk and meditation, you make a step in such a way that happiness should be in your step. You have to look uh, for happiness and peace and transformation right in the present moment, in your in-breath and in your out-breath. And with some training, we can do that. We don't have to suffer when we breathe in. We don't have to suffer when we make a step. In fact, we should uh, produce the energy of uh, joy, uh, healing, happiness when we breathe in. And uh, we should be able to produce uh, the energy of joy and happiness and peace when we uh, make a step. And we can do that. We can train ourselves to do that. And maybe a few hours uh, can help us uh, do it uh, very well already. So breathing in, I know I'm breathing in. That is the first uh, exercise of my breathing proposed by the Buddha. And we should breathe in in such a way that there is relaxation, peace, happiness, joy in that in-breath. We know that the fourth exercise of mindful breathing is uh, breathing in, I relax my body. Breathing out, I release the tension in my body. The first exercise of mindful breathing is uh, Breathing in, I know I am breathing in. Breathing out, I know I am breathing out. We can call it uh, 
aware of uh, our in-breath and out-breath. Recognize our in-breath as it is, it is happening. Because mindfulness is uh, the, the energy that allows us to know what is going on, what is happening. What is going on is I am breathing in. So breathing in, I am aware that I am breathing in. And by breathing like that, you produce the energy of mindfulness. You recognize your in-breath. That is something that is happening. You recognize your out-breath. That is something that is happening. You identify your in-breath as an in-breath. You identify your out-breath as an out-breath. It's so simple, it's exercise. But the effect of that exercise is, uh, can be very great. Because when you breathe in, you bring your mind, you bring your attention to your in-breath. And your in-breath becomes the only object of your mind. You focus your mind on your in-breath. And if you really focus your mind on your in-breath, you release everything else. You release the past, you release the future, you release your projects, you release your anger. Because you are focusing only on one thing, that is your in-breath. So, one in-breath may take only three or four seconds. And yet, if you have a concentration, and then you can release everything else. You keep only one thing, the awareness of your in-breath. You become a free person just in three seconds or four. And that is the power of mindfulness and concentration. You are mindful of your in-breath, you are concentrated on your in-breath, and you release everything, you are free. And you do not have to suffer during the time you breathe in. In fact, you can enjoy it deeply. You don't have to breathe in because you are breathing in anyway. So, so I, I do not have to breathe in. I am breathing in and out all the time. My practice is just to focus my attention on my in-breath. And that makes a big difference. When I focus my attention on my in-breath, I bring my mind home to my body. And my in-breath is some, some, kind of, is some kind of vehicle helping to go home to my body. And when the mind is with the body, you are there, fully present in the here and the now. Just two, three seconds. And uh, we know that it is. Uh, it may be pleasant 
to breathe in. You do not have a lung infection. Your nose is free. The air is fresh. So there is no reason why you don't enjoy your in-breath. So there is joy in the act of breathing in. And then when you breathe in, you get the insight that you have a body, that you are alive. Because mindfulness allows you to, to see things. The first thing you see that is that you are breathing in. And if you are breathing in, it means you are alive. <laughs> because someone who is already dead does not breathe in anymore. <laughs> and that is already insight. And with that insight, we can celebrate uh, the fact that we are still alive while we breathe out. Breathing in, I know I am alive. Breathing out, I celebrate the fact that I am alive. So joy is possible with breathing in and breathing out. Why do we have to suffer when we breathe in? And we know when we breathe in, we are concentrated on our in-breath. You release everything else. You are light. You are free. And three seconds bring you freedom and uh, lightness. So you can find uh, a lot of joy, a lot of uh, um, pleasure, a lot of peace just in your in-breath. Your in-breath is not a means for you to arrive at somewhere else. Find the joy, the pleasure, the peace, the happiness right in your in-breath. And the same thing is true when you do walking meditation. What is the use of uh, doing walking meditation? Doing walking meditation is to enjoy every step because I can touch peace, joy, happiness, freedom, the kingdom of God in every step. So the step that you make should not be a means. It is also the end. When you look at something like um, a flower with mindfulness, with concentration, you recognize the presence of that something. This flower is a wonder of life. This flower belongs to the kingdom of God. With the energy of mindfulness and concentration, you can see that this flower is a manifestation of the kingdom of God. It carries within itself the kingdom of God. And with uh, mindfulness and concentration, you get the insight, ah, the kingdom of God is right there. I can touch it through a flower. And your in-breath also belongs to the kingdom of God. Your body also belongs to the kingdom of God. 
So walking mindfully with every step, you touch the kingdom of God. And that is why the kingdom of God can be found in every step. Joy and peace and happiness should be found in, in the step. Your step is not a means for an end. It is the end by itself. And insight is something that can come very quickly. You don't need to practice mindfulness for 10 years in order to have some insight. A few seconds of mindfulness can already bring insight. Like uh, breathing in, I know I'm alive. Breathing in, I know the kingdom of God is available in the here and now. And that kind of insight helps you to really stop running in order to enjoy the present moment. And uh, we find out that mindfulness and insight, they are together. Where, they, where there is mindfulness, there is concentration and insight. In the practice of meditation, we speak about three kinds of energy, mindfulness, concentration, and insight. And in the beginning, we define mindfulness as the kind of energy that allows us to see what is going on. And mindfulness is always mindfulness of something. Mindfulness of breathing, mindfulness of walking, mindfulness of uh, eating, and so on. The second uh, energy that we produce with the practice is uh, concentration. When you are mindful of something, when you are very mindful of something, you are concentrated on it. Suppose you look at a flower and you are so mindful of the flower, you release everything else. And your only object, the only object of your mind is the flower. It means that you are concentrated on the flower. And that is why mindfulness carries within itself the energy of concentration. The energy of mindfulness carries within itself the energy of concentration. Where is mindfulness, there is concentration. And the more you are mindful, the more concentrated you become. That is your in-breath, that is your out-breath, that is your step, that is that flower. If you focus your mindfulness on something, you are mindful of it and you begin to be concentrated on it. 
That is the second energy, concentration. And the third energy is uh, insight. Where there is mindfulness and concentration, there is insight. It, they come together very quickly. When you breathe in, and if you are mindful of your in-breath, you know that what is happening is you are breathing in. You are breathing in is only an insight. Many people who breathe in but do not know that they are breathing in. Many people are alive but they do not know that they are alive. So breathing in, I know that I am breathing in. And it means also that I am alive. Knowing you are alive, that is insight. And that insight is, uh, is very important because to be alive is a miracle. The greatest of all miracles. And you touch that miracle just by breathing in mindfully. So mindfulness carries within itself the energy of concentration and concentration carries within herself the energy of insight. And that is why you cannot uh, isolate these three kinds of energy. They inter-are. In one, you can see the two other energies inside. The second energy, the second exercise of mind breathing is to follow your in-breath. And out-breath. This morning, Thay also led us in this meditation exercise. Breathing in, I follow my in-breath all the way through. It means that there is no interruption of mindfulness, of concentration during the time I breathe in. I'm fully aware, I'm fully mindful of my in-breath. I'm fully concentrated on my in-breath. And if you get some pleasure while breathing in or breathing out, this concentration produced by the second exercise, make it, uh, make the pleasure grow. You get more pleasure, more peace, more joy. So the second exercise is like the continuation of the first. And as you practice the second uh, uh, exercise of meditation, 
you have concentration to grow and your pleasure of breathing also grows at the same time. And that is why a good practitioner find the practice pleasant because she can she can she fa- she, she find uh, uh, happiness uh, uh, freedom uh, peace uh, why she uh, she practices the third exercise breathing in i'm aware of my body This is really bringing the mind home to the body. When you spend three hours with your computer, you completely forget that you have a body. And when the mind is not with the body, you are not truly alive. The mind should be an embodied mind. When the mind is with the body, you you are established in the here and the now. You are fully present in the here and the now. You are fully alive. That is why bringing the mind home to the body is to be fully alive, to fully present. And when only when you are fully present that you can touch the wonders of life deeply. Otherwise you are losing yourself in destruction. So breathing in, I know I have a body. That is already an insight. And if you have worked your body so hard, there is a lot of tension and pain in your body. And with tension and pain in your body, it's difficult to have peace and joy and freedom. That's why you are motivated by the desire to release the tension in your body. And that is why the Buddha proposed the fourth exercise of mindful breathing. Breathing in, I let go of the tension in my body. I calm my body. I'm sure that you have noticed that uh, from time to time we want to to relax our body, but we cannot relax. The intention is there. The willingness to relax the body is there, but you cannot relax. It's not because you want to relax that you can relax. That is why the intention to release the tension in the body is not enough. You should need some kind of mindfulness and insight. You need your mind to help your body. 
And if your, your mind doesn't have any insight, it's hard to have the body. When you breathe in, mindfully, and bring your mind home to your body, you may get the insight that your body is full of tension. And that is already the first insight. My body is full of tension. And I will be happy uh, if I can release that tension. And then if you continue, you can see that there is a habit, energy in you, the habit of running. We are running always to the future and find something to find something. It looks like we don't believe that happiness is possible now. And that is why we always try to run in the, to the future and look for some more conditions of happiness. Most of us do like that. And out of our habit energy, we do not have the capacity to dwell in the present moment to get in touch with the wonders of life that are available in that moment and to live deeply every moment that is given us to live because of that huge habit energy of running, always running, even during our dream, our sleep. We long, we are long for something. We don't think that peace, happiness, love, joy is possible in the present moment. That is why meditation, first of all, is to stop running. So the second insight that you can get is that life is available only in the here and the now. Why do I have to run all the, all the time like that? So that kind of insight helps you to stop and release the tension. And then when you look around, you see that there are people who are are running after the objects of their craving, like fame, power, wealth, and sex. And that is why they sacrifice the present moment, which is the only moment when you are you can be truly alive. And you, you are sorry, you feel sorry for them. And that is a, another kind of insight that helps you to stop and release the tension. When you look further, you see that there are those who already have plenty of these four things, power, wealth, fame and sex, and yet they suffer deeply. And seeing that you have another kind of insight that helps you to stop. So insight is needed for us to, to really be able to release attention in our body. We have the insight that uh, what we are looking for 
we have been looking for. Peace, happiness, joy, freedom should be found in the present moment. And without that kind of insight, you cannot really relax the tension in your body. Happily, the energy of mindfulness carries it in itself, the energy of concentration and insight. That is why you practice, when you practice uh, the fourth uh, exercise of mindful breathing, you can really release the tension. If you know that uh, it's good to release the tension, but not many people know how to release the tension. We have to learn, we have to try. And if we can do that, we can help our children do it. If uh, school teachers know how to do it, they will help their students to do it. And the job of learning and teaching will become much easier if both uh, teachers and students know the art of uh, relaxation, releasing the tension. So with uh, this, we can see the nature of interbeing of the three kinds of energies. You cannot isolate these three energies. They are always together. And looking into one, you can see the two others. And these three kinds of energies are generated by practitioners. And they have the power to produce joy and happiness. They have the power to help you handle uh, painful emotions, painful feelings. And uh, we learn how to deal with our happiness and our suffering by using these kind of uh, energies that we produce uh, in our practice. And we do not have to go to a temple, to a meditation center in order to generate these three kinds of energies. We can cook our breakfast mindfully and continue to produce the energy of mindfulness, concentration and insight. We can water the vegetable garden behind, in the backyard. Uh, mindfully and generate the energy of concentration, my, um, mindfulness, and insight, and get the joy during the time you water the vegetable garden. When you wash the dishes, if you know how to breathe and smile and produce the energy of mindfulness and concentration and insight, washing dishes become a very pleasant thing. Because these three kinds of energies can produce the energy of joy and happiness and compassion.
when we come to the fifth exercise, we learn how to produce a feeling of joy. Because a practitioner can always produce a feeling of joy, a feeling of happiness. And how? The teaching is very clear. If you bring your mind home to your body by the way of mindful breathing or mindful walking, you are established in the here and the now. The present moment is the only moment when life is available. Real life is available. Because the past is no longer there. And the future has, has not come. So only the present moment, only in the present moment, moment that life is available. That is why with the practitioner, every breath, every step should bring her back to the here and the now. And when you are in the here and the now, you are in touch with the wonders of life that are in you and around you. And getting in touch with them, you have the chance to nourish yourself, to heal yourself. You cannot get them from the past or from the future. You can get them only from the present moment. That is why the practitioner always go home to the here and the now. from the parking lot to where you work. You walk in such a way that every step helps you to release the tension in your body, help you touch the wonders of life in you and around you. And you walk in such a way that the kingdom of God is available to you with every step. How? With concentration, mindfulness, and insight. The insight that there is that the kingdom is available in the here and the now. Because that flower belongs to the kingdom. It's calling us back to the kingdom. And also your body is a flower that belongs to the kingdom. So for those of us who have enough concentration and insight, we know that the kingdom of God is available in the here and the now. You do not have to die in order to go to the kingdom. In fact, you have to be very alive. And to be alive, how? Mindful, concentrated, and you are alive. And only with one in-breath you go to the kingdom. Only with one step you go to the kingdom because the kingdom is available in the here and the now. The question that remains is whether you are available to the kingdom. <laughs> and the answer is there. If you want to make yourself available to the kingdom, produce mindfulness, concentration. And with only one step you can go into the kingdom. So for a good practitioner walking from the parking lot to the working place, you taste, you touch the kingdom with every step. It depends on our way of walking. <laughs>
that the kingdom is there or is not there. And then going home to the present moment, we recognize that we are very lucky. Compared with so many other people, we are much luckier. We have eyes still in God's condition. We only need to open our eyes in order to see the blue mountains, the blue sky, the green mountains, and uh, the beautiful river. There is a paradise of forms and colors available in the here and the now because you have eyes still in good condition. Breathing in, I know I'm aware of my eyes. Breathing out, I enjoy, I smile to my eyes, which are still in good conditions. I enjoy the kingdom, the paradise of forms and colors. So you, you have your eyes still in good conditions. You have one condition for happiness. And there are many thousands of conditions like that within you and around you. Breathing in, I know I'm aware of my heart. Mindfully, I breathe in and I get inside that, ah, my heart still functions normally. It's wonderful to have a heart, a normal heart like that. Because some of us do not have a heart like that. And our deepest desire is to have just a normal heart like other people. So when you touch your heart in good condition, your heart that still functions normally, you touch another condition of happiness. There are so many conditions of happiness in you and around you, more than enough for you to be happy, to be joyful in the here and the now. And that is why to produce a feeling of joy is always possible for a good practitioner. And to produce a feeling of happiness is always possible for a good practitioner. And we have to nourish ourselves by generating the energy of joy and happiness. And that is the object of the fifth and sixth exercise. The fifth is uh, generating joy. The sixth is generating happiness. In the Buddhist uh, literature, there is a distinction between joy, hei, and happiness. And uh, we usually use the image of, a, of uh, someone who walks in a desert and who is very thirsty and suddenly he recognizes that in front of him there is an oasis with trees, shade and a lake. So he need to walk for 10, 15 more minutes to arrive, so he is joyful. He's joyful because he will have a, a cool place to be in, he will have a 
water to drink, and that is uh, joy. And when he actually arrives and kneel down and cup the water and drink, that is happiness. Uh, in joy, there is still some excitement. But in peace, in, in happiness, there is more peace. That is uh, the understanding uh, of joy and happiness in Buddhism. And a good practitioner is capable of generating a feeling of joy, a feeling of happiness for herself and help the other person to do the same. Darling, don't you know that we are very lucky? We have a lot of conditions of happiness. We don't have to run into the future to be happy. Recognizing the conditions of happiness that are already enough, more than enough, and then you can create joy and happiness at any time. And uh, with the seventh exercise, we take care, begin to take care of our pain. Breathing in, I know there is a, a painful feeling in me. We know how to create joy and happiness, but we know also how to take care of our pain. So the first exercise is uh, to be aware of the pain. When the painful feeling begins to come up, you don't try to run away from it. You don't, do not try to cover it up with consumption, with music, with uh, books, magazines, conversations, with food. Instead, we have to go home and take care of it. And the first thing is to recognize it. Good afternoon. My pain, I know you are there. I will take good care of you. And you are not afraid of being overwhelmed by the pain inside because you are equipped with the energy of mindfulness. Because a good practitioner knows how to mop the floor mindfully, cook the breakfast mindfully, and that is why he has enough of that energy to help him go back to himself without fear. And the first thing is to recognize the pain. The second thing is to calm it down. Embrace it and calm it down. Whether that is a painful feeling or a painful emotion, the practitioner always go home to himself, recognize it, and with the energy of mindfulness, embrace it tenderly, like a mother 
holding the baby. There is no intention to fight or to suppress. Because you are your mindfulness, but you are also your pain. We should not transform ourselves into a, a battlefield. The good fighting the evil, that's not the practice. So not running away from the pain, trying to come back with mindfulness, <coughs> recognize it <coughs> as it is, and uh, begin to embrace it tenderly. In, uh, in Buddhist psychology, we speak of consciousness uh, in terms of uh, store and mind. Down here, there is a seed of despair, a seed of fear, a seed of anger. And when uh, the seed of fear or anger is a touch. Somebody come and say something, order something, and touch off uh, the seat of anger down here, and it manifests up here as a kind of energy. It's called a mental formation. Mental formation. Anger, fear, despair, irritation, jealousy, they are all mental formations. And again, when one of them manifests here, we should know how to handle. And the way to handle is to invite another kind of energy from down here to come to help. And we have a seat of mindfulness down here. And for practitioners, because they have been practicing mindfulness, the seat of mindfulness in them is quite robust, quite strong. And that's why in the case they need, they can easily invite the energy of mindfulness to manifest. So manifest will, with mindful breathing or walking, you invite the seat of mindfulness to manifest up on the level of mind consciousness. And that is the second kind of energy generated here, mindfulness. If uh, this is a fear, and then mindfulness is mindfulness of fear. This is, uh, if this is anger, and then 
This is mindfulness of anger. Because mindfulness is always mindfulness of something. And the first thing mindfulness does is to recognize the energy of pain. And the second thing it does is to embrace. One energy embracing another one. There's an encounter between two kinds of energies. It's like uh, when it's very hot, you, um, you turn on uh, the AC and produce uh, cool air. And the cool air does not try to fight the hot air in the room, but try to embrace. And later on, uh, the, uh, the hot air becomes cooler. So this is exactly the way we do. Mindfulness is holding the pain tenderly, and you continue to do that until uh, um, the fear, the anger, the pain lose of its strength, and you get a relief. You feel better after a few minutes of uh, holding, using the energy of mindfulness to hold the energy of, uh, of anger or fear. And in Plum Village, uh, we, we like to use the, the image of a mother holding her baby. The mother does not know yet what is wrong with the baby. But the fact that she is holding the baby tenderly can help the baby suffer less regularly. The, the energy of tenderness of the mother begins to penetrate into the, the body of the baby. So the practitioners the practitioner, while holding uh, her pain, her sorrow, uh, can get, uh, begin to get a relief because the energy of mindfulness begins to penetrate into the other zone of energy, the energy of fear or anger. And you get a relief. And after that, the energy of anger or fear will go back to its place of origin down here. Uh, after having lost some of its energy. It's like uh, giving your fear, your anger, a mindfulness bath. <laughs> with non-violence. And you know that, uh, you say that next time when you fear your anger come up, you do the same. You try, you offer it a bath of mindfulness. It will lose some more of its strength. And that is uh, the exercise, calming the pain, reducing the pain. And uh, there will be other exercise that come later in the Sutra of Mindful Breathing to help you to completely transform the afflictions. But with the eight, you can already, with the eight exercise, you can already uh, reduce the pain, bring in a relief. So the practitioner know the art of happiness. 
The practitioner knows how to produce the energy of joy and happiness. And the practitioner also knows how to handle the pain in himself or herself. The pain can be a physical pain or a mental pain. And mindfulness helps us to recognize the pain. And our practice is not to exaggerate, because to meditate is to look deeply and to recognize things as they are. The Buddha spoke about uh, the second arrow. When we learn the art of uh, taking care of the pain, handle the pain inside, we should know the teaching about uh, the second arrow. When someone gets an arrow, there is the pain in his body. But if a second arrow comes and hits exactly at the same spot, and then the pain is not only double, it can be ten times stronger. So you, when you have a painful feeling, whether that painful feeling comes from your, the body or comes from your perception, you should recognize it as it is and not exaggerate. You, not, uh, you should not amplify the pain with your fear or anger or imagination, wrong perceptions. Because the fear, the anger, uh, make the pain in you multiply by ten times at least. You imagine that you are going to die very soon. You imagine that uh, uh, you cannot uh, stand that kind of fear and anger. Maybe you will die. So that is the kind of amplification that we should uh, avoid. The second arrow. If it is a minor physical pain, we know that it is only a minor physical pain. It is, if it is an anger, if it is a feeling of anger born from some wrong perception, we should know that uh, that it is uh, a feeling of anger born from some wrong perceptions. If it is a strong emotion, we should know that this is only an emotion. And you are much more than an emotion. When you are overwhelmed by a painful emotion, 
you think that you are only that emotion, but in fact you are much more than an emotion. You are form, feeling, perceptions, mental formation, and consciousness. And the territory is large, and your emotion is just a small thing. And many people, especially young people, when they are overwhelmed by a strong emotion, they think that the only way to stop suffering is to go and kill themselves. They exaggerate too much. They are victims of a certain error. So we should teach them that every time a strong emotion comes up, they have to breathe and get inside that breathing in, I know this is only one emotion. An emotion is something that comes, stays for a while, and finally has to go like a storm. Why do we have to die because of an emotion? And that kind of insight is very crucial. And we parents, we have to practice. We have to see the emotion as only an emotion. And we have to learn how to handle that emotion. We are not afraid. And if we know how to handle the emotion, we will be able to help our children, the young people, to do the same. When the emotion comes, we should go back to our breathing. We should uh, relax our body. We should get inside that this is an emo- only an emotion. And I am capable of taking care of it by the practice of mindful breathing and embracing my emotion. And if uh, I need, I will ask another friend or my mother or my brother or my sister to come and breathe and help me hold this emotion. And we can survive the emotion very easily because that emotion can only stay for a while and finally it has to go. So these are basic things, elementary things that we have to learn. And so many young people, they don't know how to do it. That is why they go and kill themselves. The second arrow, we have to know, don't exaggerate, don't amplify. almost 12.
there is a, a list of mental formations. I have asked the brothers to print for everyone. Maybe tomorrow everyone will have a copy. And there are five mental formations that are always there. And we should know how to handle them. The first one is a contact. Attention. Perception. Volition. And they are called the five universals because they are always there. There is a list of 51 here. And, uh, and when I was a novice monk, I had to memorize all of them. And every time one mental formation show up, I had to recognize it and call it by its true name. Because uh, the practitioner should know the name of each mental formation and how to handle it. And that is why the nine, the nine exercise on mindful breathing is to aware, to be aware of uh, each mental formation when it is arise. The mind is like a river, and every drop of water in the river is a mental formation. Mind is made of mental formations, and they always uh, come and go, come and go, born and die, always. 
always flowing like a river. So to meditate is to sit on the bank of the river and recognize the mental formation that uh, comes and goes, and learn how to how to handle them. And these are the five, uh, the, the the first five called uh, universal. Attention can come first, or contact may come first. Suppose you hear the sound of the bell. And if you are used to the practice of the bell of mindfulness, uh, you tend to pay attention to the sound of the bell rather than other sounds that happen at the same time. Because the sound of the bell um, is the object of attention that is conducive to peace, tranquility, and so on. Because when you pay attention to the sound of the bell, you stop your thinking. You begin to breathe in gently and you enjoy breathing in. So the wood practitioner select the object of attention that can conduce, can conduct, can, can lead him or her to, to peace, to joy, to happiness, to freedom. And that, is, uh, that attention is called uh, appropriate attention. Uniso Manaskara Manaskara is attention and in Chinese we call it Nyu Li Tak And when you pay attention to the objects that can lead you to anger, fear, craving, and then that is called inappropriate attention. Suppose you go to the internet and there are objects of your attention and you can be led to, to, to a place where you lose your calm, you lose your happiness. You are subject to craving, to anger, to fear. And that is uh, inappropriate attention. So a, a, 
a good practitioner always practice uh, appropriate attention militarily. And if you are to build a practice center, and then everything you create should have the power to lead you to appropriate attention. Everything that you hear, you see, uh, you touch, has uh, the role to lead you to the good direction. So with attention, you, you may get a contact. Contact is uh, contact between the sense organs and the object. It's like uh, uh, your eyes and what you see. Uh, the sound and your ears, uh, your body and the touch. So attention may come first, or contact may come first, and then draw your attention. And they are very quick, in one millisecond only or less. And uh, contact and attention bring about a feeling, a pleasant feeling or a painful feeling. And if it is a pleasant feeling, you have the tendency to, to run into that direction. And you may get uh, a lot of suffering later on. If it is uh, a painful feeling, like uh, anger or fear, that will lead you to a perception that the other person is trying to make you suffer. And if you have that perception, you will have the intention, intention to act, to want to say something in order to punish him or her, or to do something to punish him or her. So anger leads to the, the action of punishing. And if it is a wrong perception, it will lead to the kind of volition that will create a suffering. And each of us has uh, the usual way, the, the, the habitual way of, uh, of reacting. And it comes very quick, the five, uh, uh, the five uh, universal um, mental formations. And we have the habit energy of reacting in the same way. And we always react like that because uh, it is already uh, an usual path in our brain. There is a, a neural pathway that is already traced. And you just go and go by that way again and again. There is one person who reacted very much the same way when he hear that kind of sentence. He cannot control himself. 
every time he hear that kind of expression, he'll get angry and he will say something like that, and always like that. And after that, he, he was angry at himself. I did not want to react like that, but why I continue to react like that? Because there is a, a pathway that is already traced in his mind. So another friend said, next time you go to the meeting, I'm sitting next to you. <laughs> and every time I hear that kind of sentence, that kind of uh, atmosphere, I squeeze your hand. <laughs> I will serve as your second body. And when you, you, you feel my squeeze, and then you breathe in, you said, I have to re-examine my feeling. I have to examine my perceptions. So it means that uh, you have to bring mindfulness to intervene with your feeling. Whether that is a painful feeling or a pleasant feeling, you don't let the feeling to carry you away because you are mindful. You are mindful of your feeling. And because you know you, you are mindful of your feeling, you know that where that feeling comes from. And you cannot deceive that kind of feeling. Because uh, maybe you have a wrong perception, and that is why you have that kind of feeling. But if there is mindfulness and concentration intervening, and then you, go, you know the nature of that feeling, and you can correct your perception. And you don't go your way anymore. You go another way that leads to compassion, understanding, rather than anger and despair. So the practitioner with uh, the practice of mindfulness and concentration is capable of uh, inventing new pathways that will lead to compassion and happiness rather than than anger and uh, suffering. And that is why we say, we said last night that uh, happiness and peace is a skills that we can uh, train ourselves, like uh, playing tennis or violence. We have to train ourselves to be happy, to be peaceful. And we do not let these five uh, five mental formations uh, to do their usual way because every one of us has uh, patterns of behavior that uh, lead us to anger, uh, fear, uh, suffering, punishment. And you don't want to, to go these uh, pathways anymore. We want to, new, to, to have new pathways that lead to understanding and compassion. And a few days of practice can already change a lot. When we know how to make use of the three energies of mindfulness, concentration, and insight, and intervene into the feeling and perception and attention, we are capable of uh, tracing new pathways that will lead to understanding, compassion, and happiness, rather than fear, anger, and violence. And uh, 
these uh, three mental formations, mindfulness, concentration, and insight. Three mental formations among the five that is called particular. I think very soon the brothers will offer you the list of mental formations, and the five particulars are intention. Determination, intention is yuk. Uh, Determination is thang yai. And mindfulness, concentration and insight. So we have uh, the three universal and three, uh, there's five universal and the five uh, particulars. And in this uh, list uh, we have uh, it written in Chinese, in Sanskrit, and in French also. We continue tomorrow.